as is the case with um, many of the pieces that we've seen in the Kutumaran, there's um, sometimes a backstory that accompanies the piece and the context and, you know, in which the, the, the piece was taught. Um, Torah Dawid uh, also has a backstory that accompanies it. It doesn't appear in the Kutumaran, but in kind of the uh, other literature in the library of Breslov, you can sometimes find the backstory that's associated with it, and they cite you to it. So in the Sefer Chaim Moran, which is written by Rabbi Nassim about the life of Rabbi Nachman, in Oisnun Ches brings the backstory to this piece of Torah Dawid. And it's a disturbing backstory. But the backstory is that there was once an individual who was sick, um, you know, on his deathbed, unable to make it to the Rebbe, um, and he wanted to meet with the Baal Shem Tev. Um, he felt he had something he wanted to discuss with him, and maybe receive a bracha for a full shleimah. So he sent a message to the Baal Shem Tev, could the Baal Shem Tev, would he mind coming to his house to meet with him? So the Baal Shem Tev uh, acquiesced, he agreed, um, and he was on his way, making his way to the house of the Chayot to meet with him. While he was on the way, so Shliach, who was the one who was escorting um, the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tev, so he told him, in this situation, he said, this fellow, you know, is a, um, is a Baal Shuvah, but he feels that he's done Shuvah properly. And they had heard in the name of the Baal Shem Tev that a person um, who, done Averis, but he has performed Shuva, is guaranteed not to die before his proper time, whatever that may be, um, not to die early if he does Shuva properly. Um, so he asked the Baal Shem Tev, is that true? Because if it is, he can't figure out what's going on with this guy because he, he's, he seems like he's done Shuva Shlema. So Baal Shem Tev said that is true, he has said that. But there's one qualification that you have to do Vidoy before a Tzadik. And that's why he's making his way to this chayla uh, to give him, he believes he also did tshuva uh, properly, they must have had a prior relationship, but he's giving him the opportunity to do tshuva before it's happening. But he said to the person, the messenger who was taking him, I'm going to give him the opportunity to do vidoy. If he doesn't do vidoy, though, his situation could worsen. Okay? So he arrives at the chayla's house, he meets with the chayla, and he says to the chayla, he said, confess that which you know, that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows, and that which I know. Because the Baal Shem Tev was you know, one of the legends they say about the Baal Shem Tev. And has been passed on to other tzaddikim. Also, this kind of uh, halo that they have the ability to, um, simply by looking at people, to uh, pierce through you know the external layers to be able to see their averus on the inside. You know, they could see it on their face. Uh, you know, these things are apparent to them. Able to read faces like that. Okay, so he's able to see his averus. So he said, I, "I know about it. You know about it. Kadosh who knows about it. Confess it." Three times he gave him the opportunity to confess the aver, and he did not. And he his. All of a sudden, his bones cracked, whatever that means, um, and he died. That's the backstory. Obviously, the Torah is about the importance of confessing one's Averis um, before a tzaddik. And there's more that goes into that in the surrounding literature around this piece over here in Torah Dawa. There's another Sefer in the Breslover Library called Koich Ve'or. So in the Sefer Koich Ve'or, he brings a later Sefer, um, brings that in Breslover circles, they were known as Viduinakim, um, because those who were the Hasidim of Rabbi Nachman would often meet with him in private and come out bawling after they had confessed their Averis to him. So, so much so that it was like kind of one of their uh, hallmarks, was they were Viduinakim. It says in that Sefer as well, in the Koyf and that someone once met the Rebbe Rabbi Zisha, who was a contemporary of Rabbi Nachman, and he asked him, how should I pick a Rebbe, you know, a Rebbe to follow? He said, to find a Rebbe that accepts Vidoy, who you can do Vidoy before him, that kind of Rebbe should on to, and this Chassid ultimately found Rebbe Nachman, who was well known for this kind of a practice. That's the context of this piece, and the importance of saying Vidoy before Atzadik. 
So I must be honest with you. Um, you know, I was kind of waiting for this moment. I had approached Breslover Tyra somewhat um, tepidly, uh, skeptically, waiting for that kind of moment where I would find something that would grate against my sensitivities that I, you know, sensibilities in the way that I'd been raised. And I, I just knew this wasn't going to fit, you know. There's no way we could possibly process this. And this seemed to me to be so, so, um, you know, difficult. To probably seems either Christian, this idea of penance, of confessing before a tzaddik, dangerous, ill-advised. The whole thing seemed very icky to me, I must be honest. That was my first impression. Um, but then, after thinking about it a lot more, um, I, I really think that this is one of the most prescient um, and um, important um, ideas that we've encountered. But let me just explain, in order to explain it, let's begin where Rabbi Nachman begins. And he begins with the Gemara Mpsachim that we're familiar with. The Gemara comments in the Pesach and Sefer Zechariah, Vayom Ahuyi Hashem, Echad, Ushmai Echad. Lassalava, Kaddish Baruch, whose name will be one. So the Gemara says, what's going to change Lassalava? Why will Kaddish Baruch, but his name is not one now, and it will be one later. So the Gemara says, Loi Koylam Azeh This world is not the same as the next world. In Oilam Azeh, good things happen, you make a Toivah Metev. If bad things happen, Loi Leinu, you make a Dayan Ho'emes. In Oilam Abah, Kulo HaToivah Metev. Everything will be HaToivah Metev. Everything will be one. So in this world, it seems like there's the Shem Havaya, which is the Midas Harachmim. There's the Shem Elikim, which is Midas Hadin. Vasilavai and Oilam Abah will all be Midas Harachmim, all be Shem Havaya. So Rashi what, explains, what does it mean that Vasilavai, we're only going to say HaToivah Metev. So Rashi says, there will be no Besura Ra. There will be no bad news. It just won't be bad news. That's Rashi's explanation on the Gemara. So the Tzlach, this Rabbi Nachman doesn't cite, the, until now he cites. The Tzlach, though, as on Rashi, he says, one minute, then the rules of the game haven't changed. The, 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 good things you, you make, bad things you make, it's the same as going to be true, just bad things won't happen. But the rules of, the, of you know, of Brochus have fundamentally remained the same, so nothing has really changed. The Shaila has changed, but the rules have not changed. So what's going on? So the Tzlach explains in the Magid, in the name of some Magid, of Brot, I don't know who he's referring to, but the Tzlach quotes the name of the Magid of Brot in his uh, comments in Akamar Msachim, that no, what it means is, there'll be no Basura Ra because we'll have greater insight. That we'll see that everything that happens is Komal Da'avid Rahman Latavavid. Now it seems like there is this divide. There are things that are, we perceive are objectively good, things that we perceive to be objectively bad, and therefore we have kind of two different brachas to, uh, to relate Account to those two realities. In Oilam Abba, we will see that even those things that appear to us now as bad will ultimately be good. That's what Rashi means. There will be no Basura. Well, we'll have a different perspective. So to us, it seems like now there's two kinds of Akadosh Baruch We encounter them in two different ways. There's the Shem Havai, there's the Shem Alekim. Um, but La Salava, we'll see. It's all the Shem Havai. We'll see that everything is Midas Harachman. And that's what it means. By Yomahu Yehashem Echad Ushmayachad. And Rabbi Nachman adds, in order to cross over, even now, from the perspective of Oilam Azeh, to get into the mindset of an Olam Abba, to be able to see that to think in those terms, a person has to confess his Averis before it's Sadiq. That's what helps a person transition, you know, or to pass over into that other mindset, into that other place. To go from the Malchus, you know, where it seems like the Malchus is given over to the Umus HaOlam, to the Oivdeva, to transition to the Malchus of Kedusha. That's his language. But it really means from the perspective of Eilam Hazeh into the perspective of Eilam Abba, you have to confess your Averis before Tzadik. Why? Why does confessing a person's Averis before Tzadik help him transition from the perspective of Eilam Hazeh into the perspective of Eilam Abba to be able to see uh, the good in everything? And maybe this is my own, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm superimposing this onto what he means to say. Maybe it's not what he means to say, but it seems to me that this is at the root of his of what he's talking about. And that is because the Gemara tells us in Masech the Zuma, um, comes in the Pesach and says, Mishlei, Dai if a person has worries, what should he do? Yaschena. He should put it out, uh, he should put it down. Sigmar quotes two explanations. What does it mean, Yaschena? Put it down. Yaschena midaitoi is one opinion. Put it out of your mind. The other is Yaschena lacherim. Talk about it with others. And many explain, we've talked about it in the past, that they're really one and the same. By talking about things with others, it helps you put it out of your mind. It processes it. It makes whatever trauma, whatever pain, whatever difficulty a person is going through, simply sharing it with others. Even if they offer no wisdom or insight, it's helpful. It's helpful. There's a downside to that. We talked about that also. That if a person has emotions and he shares every emotion that he has, he parades it, he puts it on display everywhere he goes, that also dulls the emotions. Even emotions of Kedusha that we have. Yearning, striving, things we want to work on. The more we share with others, the more dull it becomes. That's why in today's society where we are oversharers, religious experiences are harder to come by. You have to pump music into Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur and Slichis. Why? Why do we need it? Because we're so numb. Why? Because we're oversharers. Our emotions are not private anymore, and therefore they're less poignant, they're less meaningful. The more that you share something, the less hard it becomes. Now, if a person needs to do that in order to process something, to get over something, so then, yeah, it's the proper thing to do. It's helpful. When you overshare certain things that are emotions of Kedusha, aspirations, you know, machshavis, hirhurim, things that are positive, so then it also dulls and it numbs those experiences too. But it can be a very helpful tool to processing certain things is by sharing it with others. And certainly if a person shares it with a tzaddik who has a different perspective, that will help us reframe and be able to see the things that happened to us and the things that we've done in a different light. So a person who approaches it with a very um Dicker perspective. Let's say a bearer that he's done. He'll see it in physical terms and he'll see the physical things that brought him to this point and he'll see the physical punishments that came as a result. But a person who talks to a tzaddik and somehow gains a spiritual perspective to it is able to reframe it. He's able to see it in a different light. And by talking about it with the tzaddik, he might now begin to see how things brought him to this point were different you know, than he initially assumed and his way of seeing the reaction or, you know, the consequences, the fallout of that which he's done, we'll also see in a different way. So by speaking to a tzaddik or doing vidui before a tzaddik, I don't think he means to confess in a penance way, some way that the tzaddik is going to, you know, confer some sort of forgiveness. That's not a Jewish idea. But what I do think he means to say is um, that this is not the vidui that we are used to, accustomed to at the crowning achievement that's the ma'isa mitzvah of tshuva. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is unburdening oneself to a tzaddik. And when you talk to a tzaddik who's able to listen, who's able to help you process, and then to reframe it and to see it in a different light, that might be able to help a person transition out of sometimes the physical confines of this world and to take on the olam haba perspective to be able to see it, perhaps in a different way. All right, well.